The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to another episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And today's episode, I've got Chris Kenyamaridi. Chris, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Doing good, as always. But um, more excited that it's Friday when recording this on September 13th, Friday the 13th, with a full moon out, too. Just makes for hopefully excellent weekend of upsets in college football. Yeah, it's about to be a, some wild night. You know, some crazy stuff might happen. But yeah, tomorrow, hopefully, some uh, crazy things happen on the gridiron. I um I, I now, for anyone updating on the podcast here, I'll keep saying it for like another, like, sure, like 30 episodes here. But I now live in Michigan, so I run a lot of Big Ten fans. And I cannot tell you how much I wish, like, not all of the Big Ten teams would lose, but, like, I just wish, like, someone would stop talking to me about Wisconsin or, or Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State. Like, I, wanna, I don't want to see anyone sad, but at the same point, I'm like, all right, I get it. You guys don't watch Big 12 football at all, and you only watch Big Ten football. I watch all football. I get it. You guys have more of a life than I do, but, like, we can chill out about the Michigan, like. You guys are not beating OU this year in the college football playoffs, so let's just chill out. <laughs> They're also, I mean, Oklahoma State's not either. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, my Hey, side. I don't know what you're talking about. We're going to the national championship. Joe Platt really thinks we are. Again. He even put that on Twitter. He's like, one of the, he's like, this, my number one sleeper team isn't even ranked. Listen, I love Joe Platt just as much as the next dude, but I'm trying to put this all in perspective. OU play has gonna OU is gonna play um what they're this weekend OU plays another power five team. Uh, granted, a bad power five team. Um they played Houston, who's not good, and then they played whoever it was last week, who's I don't even know. But they have Jalen Hurts and like seven thousand other guys. I mean I'm not Oklahoma State in my mind should be ranked in the top tw- in the top twenty five, but I don't think we should be top I don't know top fifteen. We haven't played anyone yet, right? No, yeah. So I don't, I don't see us in the top fifteen. Give me a second. <clears throat> but so here's here's my favorite thing about our team is I don't care how good OU is when we play OU. The only reason we lose, at least the five years I was there and last year also, is dumb coaching mistakes. Every time we play OU, except for like one time. We got thrashed. Every other game is always close. And then either it's either a coaching mistake or because of a certain play we've called offensively. Never defensively. It's always been offensively. Like, we throw an interception. Like, it's never like a fumble. It's never like a player fucked up. It's like, hey, you gave this play to the, the quarterback. He's running it. Nobody's open. What does he do? Oh, my God, he throws it in the air. Interception or sack or something crazy like that. And so... Now I've been for the five years. I've been I've been screaming. Your sitch is the reason all this is going on. So, your sitch is gone. Yeah, state. We have Spencer Sanders playing. We have, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in college football. We uh, have, I definitely. I want to be clear. I do agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, we have a very underrated running back who I think if he finishes out the way I think he he's going to finish out the season. Could easily get drafted in the top two rounds because uh, there's some strong running backs that are about to come in, uh, like eligible starting this year. So I don't know if he'll be eligible yet. 
don't know how many years he has under, but I'm saying if he was able to go to NFL draft after this year, I think Chuba would be uh, one of the top five running backs taken. And so all, all that combined with our defense has never been good. It's never going to be good. It was, it was never great when we had uh, Des Bryant and Brandon Whedon thrown to us when we were the third, third team in the country. And if we had a, a championship game that year where we didn't have a whole week off and we won it, we would have probably been number two. And so that's just – so for me, just it's coaching. And so we've gotten rich, rid of, of your Sid, who I thought was a problem, especially in late-game situations because he's the one that's calling our offensive plays. Like, Gundy does his job. Gundy gets everyone – ready for the game, and then manages the game. Like, and it just comes down to the plays that are called. And so now that we have offensive coordinator who, obviously, I don't know too much about him, but hopefully he can make the right play calls at the right time. And so we'll see how that goes. But I think we could be OU, uh, Bedlam, and then depending on who we have to play in the, in the conference championship, I think that momentum would carry us because that's, I think, the, the last game of the season for us against this year. I know they changed it last year, but they brought it back to where OU is the last time we play this year, I guess. And so I just want to see how that works out first. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess for, for my sound bites, at least of it, our, our defensive scheme has changed. We no longer have Clint Spencer. We, of course, this is, I think, the second year of Jim Knowles' defense, maybe third. And second. One thing, second, yeah. And the one thing I will say is that he's switching defensive schemes. There were a couple of plays I was watching, especially against Oregon State, where – we, we're playing defense more like Iowa State schemes, um, which I'm happy to see because Iowa State schemes are commonly known, I mean, besides of Northern Iowa, I guess, but they're commonly known to give other Big 12 teams at least a little bit of a hitch. You know, I mean, OU's still going to outscore a lot of people no matter what happens. You know, the only team they couldn't outscore last year was Alabama, who probably half their guys are going to play in the NFL someday. So yeah. that I can that I can understand and be like, oh, whatever, that's a wash, but – I mean, Iowa State's always going to be tough. This year, I know we, you know, we play at Iowa State, and I like the fact that we're kind of taking on their defense. And you know, if Spencer Sanders is is the guy going forward, which to recap the last podcast, I was kind of uncertain, but I've had some time to think about it since last last week. I like Spencer Sanders a lot. We've only seen two games out of him, so I'm trying to like temper my own expectations of him. But I. Do think like he's the next the next dude? I think he's the next kind of Mason Rudolph guy. I think he's the next guy for our team to play I mean, Drew Brown out this year. Is like oh we're gonna go for Drew Brown would have to be better than Spencer Sanders one and two. It'd have to be this is the last year of Drew Brown's eligibility, so it'd have to be oh my gosh we're going for it all. Not you know we're going for a national championship or you know Big Twelve championship whatever. And he'd have to be better than Spencer Sanders, which in both cases, I don't I don't think he's better than Spencer Sanders. And this year, I love our team to death, but it doesn't look like we're going to go for the whole thing. And he's not better than Spencer Sanders. I'll reiterate. So that's at least my couple points. So here's my last two things on that. First, first is a question to you. Yeah. So I don't know much about Drew Brown. So is he like really good or... So at Hawaii, he put up an amazing amount of yards. Like he... I'll say it this way. What was what's weird is is that this dude, and I've said this since he got on campus at Oklahoma State, this guy probably wasn't going to get drafted in the first five rounds of the NFL draft. Which in my in my mind means if you're a quarterback, that means you could be this Gardner Minshew guy who no one expected anything out of and looks calm in the pocket for the Jaguars, but still isn't great. 
Or he could have been he could have been Cornelius, where he's on a practice squad and whatever, and that's from all his stuff at Hawaii. Something happened, at least from, from what he was told or in his mindset or whatever, for him to choose to not play at a you know a prolific D one school, and he's not from Oklahoma. It's not like he's coming back home. He's from I think like mid California. So, so it just seemed odd to me that he chose him. that he was like the guy for that program. It's not like Hawaii had a you know, situation where it was like he was the Jalen and they had a Tua coming in or anything like that. They had a be- they didn't have a better prospect. He would have started for them if he had just stuck it out. So he's really good. In my mind, someone told Drew Brown, hey, man, if Cornelius gets injured, you're playing the whole season or whatever. And that's why he came to Oklahoma State. And then Cornelius didn't get injured. Now Drew Brown's like, all right, cool. Like, I mean, what, Drew Brown's going to transfer like for the third or fourth more time? And so the- that's also, cool. the last thing I'll say on is Drew Brown is like, before we saw Spencer Sanders take a college snap, we had seen Drew Brown take college snaps. So it was a little bit more of a we know what to expect than Spencer Sanders. Yeah, so my question is, did he transfer or did he like graduate Hawaii and then he got to come here as a grad student? He he transferred. Transferred. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's kind of screwed, I guess. I think he, I think he probably came over with, the presumption of after Taylor is gone, that's why I think that's why I think Spencer is that good. So I think he came over with the assumption of okay, Taylor is going to play this season. I'm going to play that last season, and then Spencer is going to get because they knew they were getting Spencer. Not like he came here, right? Like us not knowing, oh, we're still going to have also Spencer Sanders. Like at that point, we knew we were getting Spencer. So I think it was the assumption was Taylor's going to play, Spencer's going to sit sit two years and then played the last two years of his eligibility to where now we're seeing that Drew's not even playing at all because Spencer is that good. That's my number one thing. My number two is what I'm not expecting. Like, I don't think Spencer Sanders is going to be the Heisman. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's going to be the same situation with how Patrick Mahomes or how they're going to play. I'm not comparing the two. Don't get me wrong. Listeners. All I'm saying is Patrick Mahomes did not play anything but one what one game in his technically rookie year of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Second year comes out, wins the MVP, was the best quarterback on the field all season long. And so I'm not saying Spencer Sanders is going to be the best quarterback in the league. All I'm saying is that time that he sat, he had to practice all that. It's different than, different than game speed, but got to understand the offense fully where he wasn't coming in understanding the offense for three months and then you're going out to play a game like he was there all year long plus i think a half a semester because he graduated early and he like like he fully understands what he's supposed to do on the field he knows this guy's not open this guy's not open this guy's not open i'm running like there's no hesitation like if i have room i'm gone like so with my opinion with me like spencer sanders i see him not messing up in that way of where if you were in like the near the end zone mason would run like, he sees it, he's going to go for it. Spencer, like, when he's running, he could run from the 20-yard line of the other side. of the, If he's got the space, he'll go for it. We saw him do it, hurdle somebody, get out of bounds, not get hit, next play. Like, so, I mean, I'm expecting big things. I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in college football. But he better be damn near top 10 within, like, the top 25 teams. Like, obviously, we're not going to count. The quarterbacks are getting insane stats at smaller D1 schools. But within the top twenty-five, which I think we'll crack it after this week, like we, we I hope we crack it after this week. Jesus, 
And so, I mean, I'm expecting big things. We'll see. I just, if we lose to OU, I'm okay with that. If we lose to all these other small teams like we usually do, I will heavily be filled with rage and disgust. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see how that goes. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, let's get on to a little bit of this past week stuff. So, in case you missed it, um, Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots. And I'm sure you didn't miss it, Chris. I know you didn't. Um, real quickly, just as a buffer, I do want to say neither of us are going to comment on the legality, legal issues that he's currently going through and that he's been accused of. Nothing is, nothing is, he's only been, it's only been accusations. And there's been a lawyer who has rebuttaled a response for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has not made his own comments. And at this point, I don't feel safe commenting on any of that. So we're just going to say as if it's not happening because it hasn't gone to court yet. So, Chris, just want to say as a buffer, how do you feel about Antonio Brown with the Patriots right now? Are you on cloud 10, 9, 30? What are you at? I'm on cloud 500. Okay. 500? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, so, yeah, just like you said, um, we're just going to act like it's not happening because we don't know. Like, I'm not going to – that's one thing, like, I don't care what's happening until – Actual proof comes out, actual facts. I'm never going to judge somebody or whatever to tear their name down. So as of now, I am 100, 1,000% excited. (laughs) In my opinion, the second best wide receiver in all of football, in all the world, is playing for the New England Patriots. So, yeah, I'm very happy. You mix that with Josh Gordon, who I think is, and yes, people, y'all about to hear these words, a top five wide receiver in the NFL, number five to be exact, when sober. Uh, <laughs> I have to clap to throw that in there. But yeah, them two on the same field with Julian Edelman, who probably is the toughest son of a bitch to ever put on some pads. Like, I'm perfectly happy with that, being the wide receiver core for Tom Brady. And then you add Philip Dorsett. Uh, Jacoby Myers kind of nice, honestly. He's shown some good things. And then Nikhil Harry's going to come back and eight weeks fully healthy he has no reason that's and that's really the person that's kind of winning from all this for the longevity of their career is Nikhil Harry because he has so much time now to where he doesn't have to rush himself back to to make the team like because if you are expected to be a star wide receiver you're the first wide receiver drafted in the first round by Bill Belichick like in ever I think maybe in like 15 years like and if we didn't have Antonio Brown like I mean, we could have been good for a while, but as we get to that that tough sched- part of the schedule, because it's pretty easy right now, like we would need Nikhil Harry back, so he'd be kind of rushed. But now we've got Antonio Brown. We've got four wide receivers, five really. They can be on the field, rotate. He's not needed. I mean, so he can take all the time he wants, come back fully healthy, not rush, and he's a beast himself. So can't wait to see all that also in action. So our defense is looking amazing. Uh, I love this 7DB set. That Bill Belichick has introduced, honestly, probably some of the best defense I've seen in a long time. So I can't wait to see uh, how everything unfolds. Hashtag undefeated season. (laughs) Hashtag 19-0. I, man, I'm worried about, I'm worried about how other teams are going to face against the Patriots because I feel like they're unstoppable. There, There will be, in my mind, like two or three games where, they just, they just they end up losing one when they shouldn't have, but it'll be to some team or whatever that we wouldn't expect that's in their schedule. Maybe within these first eight games, maybe not. Who knows? 
I just to me at least like the Patriots are a well-oiled machine. They know what they want to do. They know what they expect. And necessarily winning like 16 games in the regular season would be amazing. But they've already done that, you know. And so putting 19 yeah. together, yeah, that would be amazing and incredible. But at the end of the day, I guess I'm kind of curious. Like when it comes down to their 12 and 0, are they going to go for it? Which I think they would. Tom Brady's, you know, older now, and that's not anything new to anyone. So why not go for it? But at the same point, like. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what I can say about the Patriots that might actually have some validity and truth to it because Bill Belichick changes how the offense and the defense plays week in, week out. I mean, so here's that's been insane. Yeah, from like what I've looked at it, like analyze the season, how everything's gonna go. Just looked at the schedule. Only reason I'm very confident, and I'm when I say very confident, I've already put down an extra six hundred dollars. I originally put down six hundred, and now double down. I'm gonna set another six hundred dollar bet. But reason I'm very confident that we are most likely going in 19 and 0, and if not, we're definitely winning the Super Bowl. Is if you look at our schedule, I I don't know how they did it. I don't know. Bill Belichick is a genius. The last four years, uh, especially as Tom Brady's gotten 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, we've seen like a trend in Patriots games to where the first, even including with uh, the suspension, the first four or five games. You look good, but not great. So you win like two, maybe three out of the five, mm-hmm. two to three. Yeah, so somewhere there. And then as the season's going, you've gotten five games in, you really start getting things going, start getting, you know, raffle off some wins. And then at the end of the season, you have like a hard team to where like it's just a toss up in there. Like, okay, we got to save some guys for the, for the playoffs, whatever. Um, still play like good people, don't get me wrong, but that other team is pretty great. They get the dub. Just because we're not playing a full like full potential, so if you look at the schedule this year, they set it up to where the hardest game of the first seven games was the Steelers. It was at home, so mm-hmm. somehow destroy the Steelers thirteen three. Uh, side note, <laughs> sorry James Washington, love you though. Thirty three to three too, not yeah. not just thirteen. So the funny thing, the funny thing out of all that is the safety for the Steelers. He's their backup safety. He's not their starting uh, safety, uh, but he actually went to my high school. So that was hilarious to see him getting burned a lot. But uh, number two, so these first like next six games, next five games are easy. Like, no offense to the teams we're about to play, but Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon don't need to play for us to beat them, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Like, that's how bad it is. And so all these games are just tune-up games to pretty much where we're playing but we're also adapting and learning like our strengths, weaknesses. And then you add in Antonio Brown, you add in Josh Gordon, where you're doing all that. So where we get to the middle of the, middle of the season, pretty much seven games in to seven, uh, 10, seven, 11, that's pretty much where our toughest teams are. So like those games, we have to play full strength, have to kill it. And then the, the end of our season this year, once again, is easy teams. So even at the end of the season, if we decide to, I don't know who would sit. Not even sit. Reduce snaps on Josh Gordon. Reduce snaps on Jalen Edelman. Like Antonio Brown will never reduce snaps. He's just he's kind of like Tom Brady, but like in a different way. He's he's more he's obnoxious, but he's like Tom Brady. He's like he wants to win. Like he doesn't want to show people that he's old. Antonio Brown is just I want to show you that I'm better than you, and I want to get my touchdowns and stuff like that. Like more obnoxious. So his minutes probably won't go down. His snaps won't go down, but they'll probably reduce Julian. Also on and so on and so on. But then the teams are so, 
don't want to say bad. That was disrespectful. Teams are so less. Uh, yeah, they're bad. The teams are so bad that we're playing at the end of the season to where even if we reduce play for some of our, our major players, those are games that we aren't going to drop. And so the way the seasons pull out is all the games that everyone needs to play full on are all going to be either the early easy games where we're learning or the hard mid mid games in the middle of the season are going to be hard playing good good defenses, good offenses, pull those wins out. And then at the end of the season, you can sit whoever you need to sit, rest it out, win those easy games, go into the playoffs undefeated. And once you're in the playoffs, Tom Brady ain't losing. So, uh, especially with Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. So I'm I can't I'm excited for this season. If we don't win the Super Bowl, your boy will be very upset and losing twelve hundred dollars. So <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Dang, I mean. It, here, here's my biggest takeaway from the Antonio Brown signing, I guess. Guys signed Antonio Brown, so you traded Demarius, Demarius Thomas. And yeah, you traded Demarius Thomas for a six-round, I think it was a six-round draft pick. Here, here's at least why I'm so annoyed by the whole thing. You guys cut Demarius Thomas and then re-signed him to a lesser contract. No one picked him up when you cut him for more money. No one... Swooped in and said, hey, you know what? I can see the Patriots can offer him a cheap deal. Let's offer him a little bit more than the cheaper deal. Get him because he'd be, you know, like if he's the fourth wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys or whatever, you know, he'd be useful. Um, oh, so what happened with that real quick? I don't know. Maybe if you don't know. So yeah. the only reason we cut Demarius was because um, first, Akil's hurt. So he has to technically be on the 53-man roster. Right. Like, So he had to be on there. And so it was... Either we keep Demarius, and then we cut Gunner, who at that point, I mean anybody could want him. Like that's just that was a free for all. Well, Demarius, um, oh no, if we cut Gunner, Gunner the the, mm-hmm. the he's our kick returner, punt returner now. He's like the pretty much the bottom receiver on our depth chart. So if we cut him, he would actually would have gone to waivers, and so anybody could have picked him up no matter what. But since Demarius is a vet, when we cut him. He's an automatic free agent, unrestricted. He can choose what to want. He doesn't have to get, like, the next team that offers him money, he doesn't have to go there. He can say yes or no. But they're also, at the same time, Bill Belichick talked to him. was like, hey, we're cutting you so we can keep going on the roster. And then because um, Harry is hurt, he's going to go straight to the IR. So we're going to re-sign you again. And then on a game, on a weekly basis, like, there'll be scratches on the on the active roster so that he'll always be on the active roster. So it wasn't like we're cutting him because we don't want him. It was literally a Bill Belichick strategic move to where we can keep both players instead of we're taking no chance on losing one of the players and then being able to keep both once like the actual season started. And so, but then once we got AB, I think it was down to Demarius uh, or Phillip, whoever leaves. And then but Phillip had those two touchdowns. Demarius still didn't even play because he was kind of hurt. And so the Jets thought that they could do something with them. So that's why I think the Jets even approached the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots had approached the Jets because that was the first. That was the first trade with the Jets since we got Bill Belichick in a trade in two thousand and one. So yeah. Um, well, I, I guess like on the back end of it though, is that still anyone could have signed Demarius Thomas if they if yeah. he if he wanted to go there. Granted, if he wants yeah. to go with the Patriots, and I yeah, think he has one Super Bowl ring, so if he yeah. wants to go try to pick up another with the Patriots and kind of 
do the ring chasing thing and be the you know fourth or fifth wide receiver. Go for it. I'm not knocking him for that. Um, yeah. I think he was. He said he was like he was. That's he was going to stay really. And yeah. the only other team that he would have gone to was the Broncos, and they kind of talked him a little bit, but he just ultimately was like, "I'll just stay with the Patriots." So now, because now he's a, a jet, so I don't think that was in his plans. Yeah, I guess the thing for me is it's like he had the option to go anywhere. He knows how the Patriots operate, and of course, no one saw the Antonio Brown thing playing out the yeah. way it did. I literally thought it when when I was when I heard Antonio Brown got cut by the Raiders. I went, oh, okay, I could probably see him sticking on the West Coast and going to the Seahawks. They need a wide receiver for Red. They have cap money. You know, I could see him going, you know, X, Y, and Z places, whatever. And the in the joke, the little the joke on Twitter and everywhere else was, oh, he's going to the Patriots. And it was it was much as a non Patriots fan, I'll say this. It was much funnier as a joke than it is real. Because now it's like, man, if let's say the Dallas Cowboys have an incredible season, go to the Super Bowl, they haven't been back in the to the Super Bowl in a very long time. You know, I mean, not not as long as Browns fans, but anyways, you get my point. And oh, they have to play the Patriots like that. That's yeah. like my thing. It's like, oh, God, they have to play the Patriots with Antonio Brown now. Um, and the last taking point I have with the Antonio Brown sign and the Demarius Thomas trade that I want to say for one second is the dude got dealt for a sixth rounder from the Jets. I know that's going to be a high first round, high higher six round pick, even though it won't matter too much. The guy may or may not get cut, but I know Bill Belichick will sign some. Um, what what he'll sign is he'll sign some like five star wrestler that wrestled at Iowa or Oklahoma State or you know insert X school who's like a freak athlete but just wrestled for forever, and then all of a sudden he'll be the starting center. For the Patriots' offensive line for the next Super Bowls, I, I just that's that's my point. It's like Demarius Thomas re-signed for less money, and the Patriots just luck just worked this into the best deal possible for them. Where the guy could have went and signed for the Jets for probably more money than signed for the Patriots, instead he gets traded to the Jets for whatever he was playing for the Patriots. The whole thing is just funny to me, at least. I mean, I said yeah, it's not it's, that big of a deal because it's Demarius Thomas and Demarius Thomas. I mean. He's not breaking records anymore. He's in the tail end of his career, but it still is funny to me that the Patriots always find a way to win almost any situation with contracts. Or, like I would say, at the end of the day, if someone asked me what are the Patriots good at, I wouldn't say, "Oh, they're just amazing at offense," or "Oh, they're just amazing at defense," or "Oh, they're just amazing at turnovers or special teams," or "Bill Belichick is the offensive guru of the next century," or whatever. I would just say they're the smartest team in any situation like situational football that's what they that's what they're the best at that is the main thing and i understand that like that covers a broad spectrum of things but if i need someone to to draft a play to if i need someone to throw a hail mary at the end of the game i'm not calling on pretty much any patriots receiver maybe josh josh Gordon, excuse me, or Antonio Brown now, but for a while I wasn't it, a Hail Mary, a who's the top running back, who's the number one quarterback. The, the Patriots have one number one overall guy on their roster every single year. This year it's Antonio Brown by clearing the way. But Tom Brady's the GOAT, but he's not the he's not the best passer I've ever seen. He's not the best, you know, quarterback mover. You know, he doesn't move around the pocket, you know, the best in the entire world. He 
you know, he doesn't do any one thing so incredibly well. But when it comes, I, mean, to I'm, he, he, football, I, I can say I can say one thing he does better than any quarterback ever. That's reading the reading the defense. That's that, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is that when it comes down to the situational football, and he gets up to line of scrimmage, and there are insert X amount of minutes left, and he's playing against the Chiefs, he still wins. You know, I mean, I know that last year people are going to roast me for it because he threw an interception, and the Chiefs player was offside, which is the only reason that it happened, and the Chiefs player was not close to the even the whole play happening. But still, like. We've seen Tom Brady play for how many years? And besides that one example, there are... I mean, the, the dude is just incredibly good at 10 situations making the right decision. And... What it, makes me laugh is with that play, like... Like... If D isn't... If we're going to be honest, timing-wise, if D isn't offsides, then he's not rushing Tom Brady as fast as he's rushing him. Tom Brady's not going to throw the ball out just for like so hastily as he did so interception may or may not does have may or may not happen so anybody that says oh the he was oh they called the offsides for some reason the game well bro yeah that's your team then deal with your team like nobody caused him to go offsides he went offsides by himself oh, same yeah. with any other penalty that happened during that game i can go back to that game i can point out things that, that, that happened with the patriots that if they didn't happen, we wouldn't even been that close. Tyreek Hill shouldn't have scored so fast on some plays. But guess what? Our defense didn't do its job. So, like, I guess we say go back and forth and say so many things. This happened, this happened, this happened. Well, sorry, bro. Your defense, if I decided to mess up, you were offsides. Nobody pushed him offsides. I didn't know offensive player yanked him offsides. Like, that's that was his decision. That's something that you teach. On your own, so talk to your coaches. <laughs> Who hasn't taught D Ford how to line up correctly? Like, right. <laughs> so that's on you guys. It's not on anybody else. Sorry. And so it's not like the ref screwed you. Like if anybody, the only people that have a gripe, the only people that have a real gripe from anything that happened last season is Saints fans. Other than that, I don't want to hear anybody talking crap because guess what? These are all decisions your teams have made. Like they cost. I got you in that certain scenario. The Saints got screwed. Period. That was. One hundred percent on the refs, probably oh, the worst. Yeah, call. yeah. I mean, I mean, to, to to just say it all together once and for all, I'm not trying to vouch for the Chiefs here. I feel as though what? if you line up offsides and everyone see you line up offsides, it's not that's that's on you. I'm totally with you on that one. But for anyone else, I mean, you know, I mean, like if you make a mistake against the Patriots, they're gonna find a way to make sure that that one mistake you you make is either the key key way the Patriots are going to win or, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they just play incredibly good situational football when it comes down to at the end of the game. They, you know, they beat the Steelers, but they just took the top off the Steelers. You had a, I mean, I'll say this way. Josh Gordon had a touchdown in that game, and the Patriots scored 33 points. So he could have probably had two or three or four or whatever. And it comes down to, at the end of the day, like, oh, you know what? We'll just see what we can do against the Steelers. And you're right. I've looked at the rest of the schedule here. I have it up. You guys play at the Dolphins this weekend. That's a W. You play home against the Jets. Sam Darnold, in or not, still a win. At the Bills, still a win. Redskins, still a win. Giants, home, still a win. At the Jets, still a win. Browns. Maybe at that point, Baker Mayfield and those guys kind of get cooking, but probably still win. I mean, I just don't. 
like the, like you play the Browns, that's, Ravens, that's, that's, Eagles, that's, that's Cowboys. The season, at that point in the season, we're dialed in. Like I don't care. I yeah, really at this don't. point it is. Yeah, it's end of October when you play the Browns, the twenty seventh. It's that's a W. So, all I'm saying is like you, you got. I mean, literally, what went through. Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets. I mean, that is insane that you guys yeah. are just going to get off to such a great start to the season. I mean, if you don't go, we're on eight and zero at least. Yeah, if you don't go, if you don't go, well, yeah, if you don't go eight and zero, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like. Um, Crazed because I've seen the Patriots lose against the Dolphins and then won the Super Bowl when they clearly should have beat them. That was last year. So, you know, at the Dolphins. But at the same point, like, I would – I'd be like, ah, oh, that's just – they should have won that one. You know, like, that's e- that's it. You guys win generally all the gimme games and your division's fairly easy as well, which is another topic for another day. But still, that's not that's not your problem. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you don't play – it's not a tough division. And as much as I won 19-0 – I would much rather, like, I really want 19-0. If that can happen, awesome. But reality of things, I want at least one loss. And I want it towards the end of the season. Like, I want the players to feel like a loss. I want them to understand, hey, like, this Bill is, Bill is different. Like, <laughs> Bill might not look different, like, to the media and stuff. But after a win, Bill is so much different than after a loss. As it's he's he's an ass after a loss, like because obviously something happened. He definitely thinks he has the best team on the field. So if he loses a game, he wants to know exactly why what, what went wrong. So he goes over everything, 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 and he does that with the players, and they go through everything. And so I want that loss so that he can amp up that just a little bit, just a little bit uh, towards, and I want it to be at the end of the season so that just carries on to the playoffs. But. If we can do nineteen and zero, that's what I would want. But so we'll see. Well, you got some money on it too. Let's talk about the Cowboys though a little bit here. So, at least I've watched my Dallas Cowboys over the past weekend, and their offense looked incredibly good. They like looked not- they looked like they were just mowing down the Giants defenders. Zeke played a little bit. You know, he he rushed for over fifty yards, scored a touchdown. Not too much to take away, though, from Zeke's performance. He's probably still going to be worked back in the lineup this weekend against the Redskins. Um, you know, and Tony Pollard will play probably still a little bit and stuff like that. Maybe Morris will get a snap or two in the meantime. I don't know. But the one thing that was awesome in my saw is that Dak Prescott looks good. I mean, I know it's a Giants defense. They're not incredible. They're not anything like even the Steelers well, defense that you guys played or whatever. But they're, they're not bad. I'm uh, and they they've got guys, you know. So, what, what were your takeaways before I start going on too far? I don't know. I liked it, and so I think the main thing is especially uh, his offensive line is back. Like they're, I'm not going to say back to what they used to be, but at least for now they're at full strength. And so, like, oh, he's from like. Though, if you watch that game, like he wasn't rushed, <laughs> he wasn't hurried, like, and it's not like the. The Giants' problem is not defense. Like their defense is pretty good. It's not. It's not horrible. Their problem is offense. And so, I think when people look at the Giants, and that's what makes me mad a little bit, is people are like, "Oh, the Giants suck." I'm like, "Yeah, their offense sucks." 
like not their defense. Like, don't get that yeah. wrong. Janoris Jenkins is still a beast. Like the de- like <laughs> the Giants' defense is not the best. Don't get me wrong, but it is nowhere near the worst defense in the league. And so, the offensive line did their job. <laughs> Dak had all the time in the world. And when you're six, what six three, mm-hmm. six what is it six three six four, and you're standing there with like nothing running at you, and you just get to pick pocket, like where you have slants happening on every side of the field, with Randall Cobb. I forgot Randall Cobb was there until I saw him catch that ball, like the first ball he caught, and I started freaking out because I love Randall Cobb. I've been a very big proponent of. Just the Packers should have done more, and that's another problem, another conversation for later. But I love Randall Cobb, and so he's got Randall Cobb to throw to, Amari Cooper to throw to. I love Michael Gallup. I drafted him on almost every fantasy team I had, like because you match speed with correct route running, and you give a quarterback time to throw the ball. That man's getting he's getting five receptions every game at least, and they're all gonna be for fifteen plus yards. And which we saw that happen. My Indian scored a touchdown, but he was just getting reception after reception after reception. And then you give Randall Cobb a good, easy touchdown. And so, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Dak. That's not because I think he sucks. I'm just not a Cowboys fan. And so, but with that offensive linebacker, you bring Zeke back into the fold where he's catching and running. I mean, you don't really need him to do too much right now. But, yeah, I mean, I'm a very big – I want this to happen. I want the Cowboys to make it to the Super Bowl. Why? Because I want the Patriots to beat them. But, <laughs> but that means that all season long I'll be cheering for the Cowboys. <laughs> so I'm, I don't want them to win. I want them to, to keep on doing what they're doing. I hope the offensive line stays healthy because I think that's the biggest key. The defense is good. Defense isn't going to change, but you need to score. Like you need to score thirty five points, like they just did on the Giants. Like so, the defense will do its part. Bandash is nice. Uh, Jalen is great. Uh, corners are pretty good. Byron's Byron's pretty solid. And so, and their line is their line is work. I mean, he's got to do a little bit better, but they're getting the quarterback. They're rushing, and so I can see the Cowboys making it to the Super Bowl. Um, but I can really see them going to the NFC Championship, going against like a Saints or a Vikings team. And so we'll see how they keep on going with that. So, but it all depends on offensive line. Awesome. Offensive line needs to stay healthy for all this to go down the way everyone wants it to go down. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't disagree with that. The offensive line has to be healthy for the team to do good. Dak Prescott's not... I mean, I don't know. We, we've in in my twenty six years in this world, I have not seen a lot of quarterbacks who are drafted later than the third overall round just do incredibly well year after year. You know, I mean, Tom Brady's basically the one guy that I can think of off the top of my head who it's oh my gosh, I can't believe that guy's so good as he is. The rest of everyone else, it's it's kind of uh, you know, like even everyone's super hyped on Lamar Jackson right now. And it's like, oh, he was a late draft pick. He was the last pick of the first round. So to have those expectations of Dak Prescott just being this $40 million a year guy, I know his contract is, you know, in discussions right now and the Cowboys trying to get down. But that seems crazy to me. Just just from the sheer fact that 
coming out of college, when, when you draft a guy, you draft him for his upside and for who he is today. You don't necessarily draft him for every little mistake he's ever made. But not a lot of people view Dak Prescott's upside to be incredibly just huge. And really, Tony Romo could probably step, if he wanted to, step on the field and do at least half as good as Dak Prescott right now. You know, and Tony Romo's probably like, dude, if I had this O-line, you know, who knows how good I would have been and how many times we would have done better in the playoffs at least, right? I'm not saying Super Bowl chance, but better in the playoffs. So yeah. I'm trying to find that kind of that line where I think that Zeke is just an incredible force, you know, deserves all the money, can't be stopped. Then Dak Prescott is, a, you know, a perfect passer rating, one of the three quarterbacks overall. I think they have a perfect QBR rating is what I'm referencing exactly. In like in like in like the history of the NFL, I think, and so I'm trying to put that with the fact that oh his O line is fully healthy now, and oh it was the Giants defense, it wasn't a defensive team of the year, you know it wasn't it well, wasn't as you know it, it's not as if Sam Darnold was rushing in these guys or Jalen Ramsey was locking down Amari Cooper or whatever you want to say, you know I. There's, there's like a couple guys I think up for the Giants defense, but it's mostly like Eli Apple and, you know, then for a while it was Michael Strahan. You know what I mean? And, and it's kind of all fuzzy in the middle, even though we play the Giants twice a year. So, at least in my head, I'm trying to figure out, oh, how should I have expectations for this season? Should they be really high hopes? Or is it maybe one more year after this one whatsoever? But at the end of the day, I'm excited football's back. I'm excited that we get to watch game two of the NFL season this weekend. But game two has already happened for the Panthers and the Buccaneers. Did you have a chance to watch that game last night a little bit? Well, that was atrocious for most of the game. Atrocious. I, I will say this. Is Cam Newton, in your mind, really hurt? Or is he just off? What do you think is going on with him? That's what I'm saying. I want to say I want to make a public service announcement, and I hope somehow he ever hears this one time in his life. But Cam Newton, you're playing like actual garbage. I could literally put a garbage can at the quarterback position, and it would do a better job than you. Like, don't get me wrong, okay? Like, <laughs> like he still had a lot of yards, <laughs> but uh, like he threw for what fifty percent of his his his, his passes. Uh, he's connecting on all the small stuff, but none of the big stuff. And so, like, the big problem with that is, I mean, yeah, you can get a first down real quick, great. But what happens when your man's wide open and that's a touchdown, like, scoring play? How are you going to miss him? Like, so, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's hurt. I think he's off. Like, and, so, and I think he's been off for a bit. And just nobody's corrected him. Like, that's the problem with Cam. Like, Cam's in a system where he, he is the starting quarterback. There's nobody else on that roster that's going to take his job. No matter what. So he gets to do what he wants. He gets to lax around, go play around, do what he needs to do. And that's the thing. So some of these players need to realize that, hey, that's what you're going to do. Understand that you're not going to win. And tell that to your fan base. Hey, bro, I'm here for fun. I'm not here to win. So don't expect me to do anything. Yeah, I I I feel like he should just do that (laughs) to the Panthers uh, fan base so they don't get their hopes up every year. Because, I mean, bro. Like he took, I can bet he took at least an hour taking out the outfit, out, that outfit he won, he, he wore that day. Bro, that's an hour you could be practicing your throws or doing something. Like, 
So I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy that Cam Newton is not my quarterback. That's all I'll say. Just very happy. So what I at least think is weird is that the offensive coordinator, I believe, is Norv Turner for, um, for the Panthers. And at least what I think is weird is, like, on a couple of plays last night, I noticed Cam Newton, those are normally just, just Cam Newton, just quarterback sneaks the ball. And that's it. And this wasn't a high-scoring game. The Panthers were in it till the very last drive. So yeah. for me, at least, it was like Christian McCafferty takes the ball, you know, direct snap, where Cam Newton kind of runs the – I don't know what else to call it, to be honest with you, Chris. I don't want to bring up bad memories here. But um, the play where, like, the quarterback's off on the end, kind of like he's a tight end or whatever. But it's like how – it's exactly, exactly where – um, Wild, Nick Foles okay. lined up in that Super Bowl play that everyone remembers. Wildcat formation, exactly. But but the quarterback isn't like all the way out on the end. He's just kind of kind of that in tight end spot or whatever. So on the right side, and I just didn't. I mean, to me at least, it's yeah, be as cute as you want to, but do that on third down. You know, don't don't do that on fourth down. Like like fourth down, half Cam Newton who. The, the Bucks already had a penalty. Have him try to draw you know, the Bucks offsides one more time. And if that doesn't work, snap the ball and just push it up the middle. Maybe there's something going on with his health. That's the only thing I can think of, of why they didn't do that more often last night. Just the the Bucks are not a dominant team. Jameis Winston throws an interception, fumbles the ball, it seems like all the time. Um, Jameis Winston has to be one of the worst fantasy quarterbacks just from the sheer factor that he could have three or four turnovers in a game you know especially since Ryan Fitzpatrick's not there this season to take it over or whatever but I don't know man it just it just it looks odd that's the second game we've seen out of the Panthers this year and in both of them Cam Newton has not scored one touchdown so it's just as I mean Cam Newton's like I mean that tells you the situation they're in like obviously, this is he's this person's an offensive coordinator. Obviously, they've they've rose up rose up the ranks somehow to become the offensive coordinator of the team. And so, for them to think, honestly, it should be an insult to Cam Newton. If I was him, I'd be pissed. I wouldn't be Walker. I don't understand why he's happy. Like I understand he's a millionaire. He has all this money. Great. That's what fuels you. Tell it like I, that's what I'm saying. Some of these like athletes need to just create a public surface announcement. And be like, hey, fans, like. We're not, I'm not here to win. I just want you to know that. So don't expect that out of me. I'm here to make money, have fun, so that you can get stop getting their hopes up. Makes me sad when I hear somebody, oh, we actually have a chance. You know, Cam's pretty great. He's doing good. We got Christian. We got these wide receivers. We got this, this, and this. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have anything. Like Cam Newton is not going to come out and do what he needs to do. We watched that. I think that happened against the Broncos in the Super Bowl. That was That's when I was just like, this man is not here to do what it takes to win a football game. Like, like when he didn't die for that ball because he didn't want to get hit by Von Miller. And so when you've got an offensive coordinator on fourth down calling direct snaps to the running back to win the game and not you, the most – like we call the quarterback position the most important position in football because you have the ball pretty much on every snap. When you're in fourth down to win the game, the snap isn't going to be in your hands. It's a direct snap to the running back. You should be taking that as an insult. This is a literal dig saying, hey, you are not good enough to get us this W. And so, like, honestly, if I was them, 
what else do you have to lose? I would literally bench him. I would whoever the second string quarterback is, I would put him in for two games. Just to like to see what Cameron's gonna do about it. Like are you gonna come out here and actually try harder and actually do what it takes to be a starting quarterback? Or are you just gonna get mad and be like, Oh, oh y'all gonna treat me like this? I'm done playing for you guys. Cause that tells you like what you need to do for your future. Because they're wasting their time and their years betting on Cam Newton. If Cam Newton is not willing to do what it takes to be a successful starting quarterback in the National Football League. And so, I mean, if I was, yeah, if I was a coach right now, I would literally bench Cam for the next two games and see how he reacts to that. Does he become better? Does he work out more? Or does he whine and pout the whole time? Because if he does, then I would literally try to trade him. Get some pieces, rebuild, start over. You've got great quarterbacks coming out of the class this year from college. I would take a chance on one of them before I take a chance on Cam if he's going to widen out from being benched for a few games because he's playing horrible. And so, I mean, it's there's problems everywhere when it comes to the Panthers. And so, except for Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson and their defense. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess my, my problem with that, though, would be Cam, Cam listen, I think they have Will Greer, the – West Virginia quarterback on the roster, and they drafted him. I, I just, I, in my mind at least, like Cam Newton had a, had a couple bad throws last night, but he has Chris McCaffrey or McCaffrey, however you his name, and they're not, they're not, they shouldn't be a bad team at least. The Panthers should be contending. Like, Because the Buccaneers and the the Buccaneers probably are last for another year in a row. Um, I'm done with Bruce Arians, by the way. I don't understand what he's doing with his hat and whatever, um, or fedora, whatever it is. But and then the Saints should be the number one overall team. But at least in my mind, like Cam Newton is just just a one game a year where it's Cam Newton took over and he just outright won the game for the Panthers. And I, in my mind, like, last night was one of those possible games where it just is, oh, yeah, Cam Newton is really good at football. You know, he kind of, like, reminds us, like, once a year, like, he's just incredibly good at football. And then, you know, the rest of the team needs to rely on the offense coordinator or whatever. But as you said, maybe bench him for a week or two, see if that changes mentality, see if that changes something else, and go from there. Because at this point, like, he just, I don't know. I don't necessarily know what he could have done differently last night. I'm not trying to accuse him of anything, but he just didn't have it. He didn't do whatever it is last night. I, I can tell you there's some balls that he threw to Kurt, Curtis uh, Samuel Curtis that were not on point. That yeah. if they were on point, he would have scored and they would have won the game or at least been in a better position to win the game. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's passes he could have thrown better. There's better decisions he could have made on who to pass. Like whether I need to check down or not, there is. When I was watching the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. there was two plays. Uh, one was like mid fourth. One was like with like f- a few minutes left, where he had nothing, absolutely nothing, except for the check down to Christian McCaffrey, which with Christian McCaffrey would have gotten the first down. But instead of checking it down, decided to throw the ball. To like, I forgot what receiver it was, but he was on a comeback to the sideline. Ball is completely just off, just not even close, out of bounds. Next play, like it's just stuff like that. Like you, so that's what I mean. And I, I don't want to do it. Like I'm sorry, but just that's why. Like I love Tom Brady so much because 
Like, I don't want to bring him up all the time, but that's another thing I love about him is, hey, I'm not going to force this ball to this dude on a throw that I'm most likely not going to complete. I'm going to check it down, let my running back fucking get six yards next play. Like, there's always progression. There's always moving forward. And that's why I like, like I like the I love the Patriots. I mean, it's not why I like the Patriots. So that's a good the thing about the Patriots that I love about is that there's always moving forward. Like yeah, there's plays where we don't move anywhere because obviously like <laughs> nobody was open. Gotta take gotta just go down. Uh somebody didn't catch the ball. But there's never a play where you see Tom force it to somebody when there's an open person. There's never a play where give it to James White. Nope, I'm gonna chunk it seventy yards and see what happens. And so and it's great. I'm happy that Cam Newton can throw 70 yards. Good for him. You don't need to do that. You just need to dump it down for six yards. Your running back gets another four or five. That's a first down. Guess what? New said that. The closer you're getting to the end zone, the easier it is to score the fucking football. And so I don't – yeah. So there's just little stuff like that that he doesn't do. A lot of quarterbacks don't do. And that's why they're not winning Super Bowls. And so – at least they need to get trained or something. Like somebody needs to like teach them how to see the full field. They are getting paid millions of dollars for it, so I would hope that they have that ability. Yeah, and at the end of the day, they're they are the Panthers. I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting. I guess at the end of the day, to say it better, I'm not expecting Cam Newton to have pinpoint accuracy but I'm expecting to make smarter decisions with the football and to have some accuracy as well. I mean, you know, you're right. I did watch a couple of plays last night where if he hits Curtis Samuel in stride, it's a touchdown, but instead he just missed him completely or threw it so far behind him. Samuel had to come back to it and was tackled for like a six or seven yard gain. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm definitely with you on that one for sure. No, uh, I think it's, I think it's a mentality thing because Cam Newton has all the tools that it takes to be, an NFL quarterback, an NFL starting successful quarterback. And so I think it's just a mentality thing. Um, I'm giving a lot, but I'm not going to give everything I have. And so, I mean, this is football. This is not netball. It's not, we're not playing some soft spot sport. You're playing a physical sport that demands the best out of you at all times. So, and so yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're doing anything. Like, I think they'll end up being like, a bottom five team. So, yeah. yeah. Um, right. Let's see here. Yeah, well, let's let's move on and we'll talk a little bit of basketball to end it on the podcast today. So, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Team USA games. If you did, hats off to you because I will say I did not. But I, I am surprised that they lost back-to-back games for the first time after winning 58 games. I thought after the first loss they would do a little better, but... Then again, I don't know. I knew I, I kind of expected this team not to win the gold medal easily, I would say. You know, I expected them to have, like, a loss or a couple close games. Um, I mean, I didn't expect a loss, though. I did expect a couple close games, and they already had one. That was a real good scare. And then, you know, Jason Tatum's a little injured. It's Donovan Mitchell's team, and Darren Fox just randomly leaves the team or whatever. So, I don't know. Do you have any... Team USA thoughts at all? I know it's not like NBA season, but just kind of. I mean, I agree with the great one, Kobe Bryant, when he says uh, he was talking about it. He was talking about how like this team just has no cohesiveness, and so yeah, uh, Team USA should not lose a single game. I don't care what anybody says. Um, 
Every other team has at most three great players. At most. Mm-hmm. At most. At most three great players. Some teams have one. Some teams have two. Some teams have none. We have a whole roster. Since they're all getting max money, or at least close to max money, in the NBA. So, what the fuck is going on? That's my question. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think this season, it all started out with people just dropping at the beginning of the, like, when people were deciding whether or not to play. I think people, when people were just like, oh, no, I'm good on my plan. I'd rather sit at home and rest or all this other stuff. You have all these guys that usually wouldn't be considered on that final roster that want to prove themselves, but at the same time, like, they don't really, uh, they don't have a cause. They don't have a reason. Like, when we had LeBron that first, LeBron, Kobe, all of them, that first time was, it was the Redeem team. Like, we got to win this. We, we, we lost in 04, like, to Argentina, which, all right, hey, I love Monty Ginobili, so well-deserved. Well-deserved. You will not hear any trash talk from me. So, lost in 04, 08, must happen. Put all the best players in the NBA, North American on the squad. You go out, kill. 2012, got to repeat that. Pretty much close to the same lineup. And then slowly just you know, some of those players start weaving out. You know, Olympic, Melo's gone. Kobe's not playing anymore. And then I think the moment LeBron was like, yeah, I'm not playing. That's when it got real, real dark. And so I just think these players really don't have like an identity. They're just there to go play basketball, just fuck around. Uh, I also think nobody's really doing their full best because they're not trying to get hurt or anything like that. So, I don't know. Once that, once that, I'm not going to say idea, once that uh, narrative, that's a better word, once that narrative of I'm not playing because I don't want to injure myself or put myself in harm to ruin my money, once that narrative came on to play and then you add in the Jason Tatum injury, I think now they're being more cautious with things not playing to the full and that like the moment you're worried about something worried about an injury that automatically like as i mean as a person that played basketball like competitively if you're worried about something like you're not playing the full best of your ability you're just not and so there's times when i would be injured especially like in aau even if i was injured i didn't care like i didn't care if i got worse <laughs> i didn't care what the result was i'd go out there and i'd do my job but if there's any other time where I was like, oh, I can't, I can't hurt my knee more, I'd go out there and I'd still be trying my best. Don't get me wrong. In my opinion, I was trying my best, but I wasn't playing my best. And so I think once you start, the back of your head, start thinking about injuries and you got to limit myself, got to make sure I take care of myself, all this, and you're not focused on literally beating the team that's in front of your face as, as, as hard as you can, then you're not going to, you're not going to play the best of your ability. When you're not playing your best at the ability, you mess up the team. Once the team's messed up, you could lose two children. So that's not like, so we'll, So I don't know. I think we still have a good chance of winning the gold medal, like if we get our shit together. But if not, then yeah, I don't see us winning it. Oh well, just just to be clear, we we can't win the gold medal. The best we can do is seventh now. Oh then yeah, we're screwed. So we ain't winning shit. We um. So I looked just, I mean, I mean, yeah, I do understand. Like I never played basketball really competitively ever. So I 
you know, I didn't play AAU for sure, you know, anything like that. I played in high school, you know, some. But what, what I'll say is, is that the USA team that played, played against Serbia and lost by five to three NBA players, Nikola Jokic, um, Bogdan, Bogdanovic, I'm going to butcher these names, so just please be patient with me, any listener. Um, and Boban, Boban Marjanovic as no. well. So those were the Serbian play- That was the those the three NBA guys on the Serbian team that the U.S. Yeah. played against. And then <laughs> for this team that the U.S. lost to France by ten, the France players that are or the French players I should say that are in the NBA are the top four who had the most minutes in the game, of course, but. Um, they are Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier, Nicholas Batum, and Frank Ntilkinka, or however you say his <laughs> name. I call him Frank um, Nicorette or whatever because that's what some Ringer NBA guy said, or Frankie Smokes. But anyways, um, so th- that at least is like – I mean it backs up what you said, Chris. Like the, U- the U.S. basically has you know a roster of all NBA guys – I would, I mean, ninety percent of these guys I know off the top of my head exactly which team they are on, how good they are. Actually, one hundred percent that because I follow the NBA though. But I would say, I would say, fifty percent of these guys are household names that everyone would know. Harrison Barnes, NBA championship winner, Donovan Mitchell, Kemba Walker, you know, Miles Turner, Jalen Brown, and then of course you have you know like Brooke Lopez who. I think a lot of people know Derek White, Spurs fans know, Mason Plumley, some Duke fans. I mean, you know, and it gets into a little bit. But still, all these guys are NBA guys, and they lost to two teams that had three. And then, of course, the French, you know, Serbian team, Serbian team had three NBA players, and the French team has four NBA players. So it just blocks up your point where you're saying, Chris. Like, you should be able to go out. You should be able to go out and win. And at the end of the day, like, Donovan Mitchell should hold his head high because he scored 29 against the French team. You know, Kemba Walker scored 10 um, and had three uh, rebounds, zero assists for Team USA. He played 25 minutes, so it's not like he played five minutes. And then um, just also kind of just read the stat chart here for everyone an update, I guess, um, for, yeah, for the U.S. team. You know, in the, in the game against Serbia – Donovan Mitchell scored nine, but he had five rebounds and four assists, and he played 26 minutes, so he's still contributing, and Harrison Barnes scored 22, Walker scored 18, but there's literally a bench for the U.S. had, I mean, Jalen Brown scores four points in 16 minutes. You know, Joe Harris, the shooting guard for the Nets that maybe started the game, but he scored, he, he scored four points in 22 minutes. Like, at, at the end of the day, something's got, you got to play better or something's got to be different, but you also got better players too. One thing I want you to notice is that all these other, all these national teams, all these other European national teams, their superstars are playing. Like, Mm -hmm. and they're playing, they're playing with full out intensity. Giannis is playing. All these guys are playing. Like Rudy Gobert is playing. Yeah. Freaking unathletic ass. Jokic is playing. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Very athletic, but not slow, like slow wise. Fully playing his his ass out. Where are superstars? Like, where's CJ McCollum? For God's sakes! Like, not even a super. Like, he's a star. Where's Damian Lillard? Where is? Well, Damian. 
I give da- I'll give Damien his. He had, a, he had some stuff to hit to do with, but like some of the other players, bro, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, great, money isn't everything, but I guess it is to you. <laughs> so, like, oh, it sucks. I I wonder how we're gonna see the team change next. The team change next year when it's for the Olympics, right? It's for 2020. It's Olympic basketball. They just the the best we can do is a four for seventh place. You know that's the best we can do now for Team USA. And how how much different is the world is not the World Cup team, but is the Olympic team going to be next year? That's my key question. Yeah, so I hope this was a like a World Cup thing and not an Olympic thing. If our Olympic team is People are holding out because that too. I'm gonna get really pissed. Well, yeah, this is just this is just the like FIBA World Cup, um, but the see, but the Olympics yeah. the Olympic so, team is next year. So I'm curious how that's gonna go. That's what I'm saying. So all these players that bowed out for the for the World Cup, they better not be bowing out for the Olympics because that would get. And I love how it's different with basketball and soccer to where soccer the, the Olympics. They don't care really that much about. They'll send out their backups. And then for the World Cup, that's when the starters come out. And so, I mean, it's just funny how basketball is the opposite. Yeah, I would, I would say at the end of the day, like, I remember the 08, you know, Olympic team. I remember the 2012 and the 2016, you know, Olympics teams as well. The FIBA World Cup teams, I mean... I remember. I probably remember watching Westbrook play a game or two, KD play a game or two, you know, Paul George, maybe. I'm just throwing it out there because he used to be on the Thunder. Um, and I know there's some listeners that are also Thunder fans. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I I feel as though the Olympic team will be, uh, will be better for sure. But I would like to see more of a... I don't know, maybe more of like a youth movement or something. Like I would love to see a Darren Fox. I know he, I know he left, you know, Team USA or whatever. I think he was actually injured too. I forget exactly why he left though. But I'd love to see like maybe it's you know the only guys who can play on the you know the on the World Cup teams like the NBA regulates it and or and they just say hey only under twenty five players can play in the World Cup teams Olympic any age you know just. Something where, I mean, that's kind of what it is this year. I mean, besides, like, Brooke Lopez and probably the Plumlee brother who's on the team is older than 25. But, I don't know, I think that I think that'd add more to it, where you just see kind of a more rotating cast year in, year out, and it's, you know, it's just different. It mixes it up, and you see guys, because re- I really, when I watch, you know, the Olympic teams, the World Cup teams, that type of stuff, it's a bunch of highlights, because games are all, you know, different time zone, but... To me, at least, like, what's fun about it is I see, like, oh, my gosh, like, can you believe how good Carmel Anthony is? And, you know, at least you have high expectations for him when he comes to play for the Thunder when it doesn't work out. But, you know, like, some of, the, some of these guys really turn it up a notch and are all of a sudden, like, oh, you know, he's really good is such and such player or whatever because that's how good they were in the World Cup and they got extra confidence or wanted to play a little bit differently or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Carmelo is a strange creature to me. <laughs> there's still videos from like balling with NBA players, like when they run pickup games and stuff with NBA players. And then you put them on an NBA court 
and he's just not doing well. So, I don't know. Oh, but we'll see. I mean, honestly, I don't think it means much. I think I think it means much for like uh, the foreign teams, because especially since they're not playing like a LeBron-led team. And so, and FIBA's trying to bring more of an emphasis. I think FIBA's trying to transition to where in a few years, not a few years, in like ten years or so, the FIBA World Cup will be as important to basketball as the actual World Cup is to soccer compared to like the Olympics. So they flip-flop it because Olympics matter so much, but all that money goes towards like the Olympics, the Olympic Association. Now that goes to FIBA basketball. So hopefully if they can switch it up, we can uh, see, see a difference in, in how these teams are put together and people bowing out and people not bowing out. So we'll see. Yeah, it's all, all kind of wait and see. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast tonight. Um, I know it was, uh, you know, Friday night um, doing a podcast. Of course, it's always fun. But if you're still listening at this point, please follow at the CGA Tour on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest podcast updates and news and notes. Chris, anything to shout out here as we end it out? Oh, uh, yeah. Follow me at Kenyon for Life. K-E-N-Y-A-N number four L-Y-F-E Instagram and Twitter. And uh, go Patriots. You know, turn what, about the, what about the Red Sox? Did you want to say, yeah, how are the Red Sox doing this year, Chris? Are they, they doing well, good? I know it's your team. I just, you just want to shout them out too? I, you shout out one New England team. Just get both. Right. Go Red Sox, despite you disappointing the shit out of me <laughs> this year. So, <laughs> just a sad, sad year. Just a continuously sad. Never a good time this year with the Red Sox. Well, you Except, know what? Hey, I'll shout out! I'll shout out Rafael Devers for being what I thought he was and being a beast. So I'll say that. There you go. What? When's the last? The Yankees won a World Series. I think the last year they won one was in '09. Um, and so I just want to say you'll always be you'll always be able to hold your head high, Chris, because you He's, won a championship in this past decade, and the Yankees did not. I mean, unless they won it this year, which or maybe I'm jinxing it, but. I'm still, I'm still happy. I'm still good. So, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sad. We got another year. We got next year. Can't win them all when it comes to baseball. There's too many teams. Oh, the last one they won was in 09. So, uh, too you know. many games. Can't win them all. Yeah. Can't so. win it all. Um, all right, Chris. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining me, man. And I'll catch up with you soon. All right, bye.